bestie. Hey guys, it's two bestie homeschooling mamas coming at you. This is Gail. And I'm Christina. Welcome. Today's episode is homeschooling with special needs. Are you a parent with a child with special needs? Autism, Down syndrome, ADHD, ADD, behaviors, sensory needs, seizures, developmental delays, speech delays. Ay, ay, ay. I know you're not alone and you are entirely capable of teaching and being exactly what your child needs at home. In a lot of cases, that's exactly what they need. Today, we're going to talk about how you identify if your child might need an evaluation or possibly has concerns that need to be addressed. And if anything comes of those, how you can make sure your child gets all the support they could possibly need to be successful in their schooling and in life. You got this, mama. You are enough. Okay, guys, we are going to talk about what it might look like if your child needs an evaluation. So specifically, I'm going to mention some speech concerns. Does your child not seem to pick up on language? Do they not make wants and needs known effectively? How many errors in speech sound production? Is an extremely picky eater? Do they have trouble swallowing? Do they have a significant speech delay? These are all things you might want to look for for speech concerns. Yes. And if you see that, then I would recommend getting an evaluation. And you can do that in a private sector. If they're over the age of three, you can actually do that in the public school system mm-hmm. too Absolutely. if you don't have um, insurance as well. Know that you can get a speech evaluation done in the public school system at your district if you're over the age of three. However, if you have speech concerns, I would not wait until the age of three. My son had speech issues and we got him evaluated at 15 months. However, I would have done it a lot earlier if he was in the foster care system. So I would have done a lot sooner had that been available to me. They made us go through a bunch of hoops and I had to press, press, press. And we finally got it done in 15 months. Just saying. Okay, so I'm going to talk about some sensory issues and needs um, that you might see with your kiddos. The first one's going to be hypersensitivity sensory needs, like a low pain threshold, appearing clumsy, fleeing without regard to safety. Um, that would be like if they're running into the street without regards to cars or in a parking lot, those kinds of things. Covering eyes or ears frequently, picky food preferences or gagging when eating foods or certain textures. Let me talk about those two really fast because my son has both of those. (laughs) So when we go into bathrooms that have the fans shooting down so that like Costco or something or the air dryer, the air air dryers, or even just walking in, they have the airflow down. He covers his ears. It's so much for him. Even flushing of toilets is really hard for him. So anytime we go into the restroom and I'm going to flush the toilet. He says, just wait. And then he puts his hands over his ears and then he shakes his head like he's ready for me to flush the toilet. So it's a lot. It's weird because you're like, it's just a toilet flushing. It's so loud to him that it's painful for his body. It's the most insane thing I've ever seen, but I didn't experience it till I had my son. And then the picky food thing and the gagging, it's not so much that he's not super picky, but if he puts too much food in his mouth, he actually ends up throwing up. So he takes these tiny little bird bites (laughs) and we're always like, oh my God, take a bigger bite. But then I have to remind myself, he just can't, he can't put that much food in his mouth. And it seems silly because it takes him forever to eat, but it's just how he is. If your kiddo's resisting hugs or sudden touches, also my son, feeling that soft touches are too hard, 
difficulty controlling their emotions, hashtag my son, difficulty focusing attention, difficulty adapting to responses and behavior problems. Now, my kiddo is about 90% of those. So he definitely has a sensory disorder that was diagnosed when he was diagnosed with his autism, but he has a sensory disorder as well. That's hypersensitivity. There is sensory hyposensitivity that you may want to look at as well if they have a really high pain threshold. So so this might sound weird, but there are kids who are um, sensory seekers and sensory avoiders. And there are kids that are both. And my son is actually both, which is super fun. Um, so he has a really high pain threshold, which would be the hyposensitivity. But he also has really like if the water is too hot. But in our case, it would be like lukewarm. That's too hot for him. It has to be like almost a little bit on the chill side. And then that's good enough for a bath or a shower. And that's hyposensitivity. It's the craziest thing. Bumping into walls, touching things. Also, my son, he likes to touch anything that has a texture. Uh, putting things into his mouth. Oh, dear Jesus in heaven. I don't know how he has never not been sick, sicker than he has been. Giving bear hugs. He doesn't give bear hugs, but he likes squeezes on his arms and legs. When he's feeling overwhelmed or can't tell where his body is in space. I know that sounds weird, but with kids who have sensory issues, they can't tell where their body is in space. And so you, if you give them squeezes down their arms and legs, it helps them to regulate their body feeling. Crashing into other people or things, constantly using crash pads or couches at my house, I'm not regarding personal space and rocking and swaying. So those are all sensory disorder things that if you are seeing a lot of you may want to have your kiddo evaluated for sensory stuff. And OT is really, really helpful for those things. Okay, let's talk about um, things that you'd want to look for for autism or behavior issues. Smiling by six months, mimicking expressions and babbling by 12 months, repetitive or unusual behaviors, troublemaking eye contact, problems with sleep, trouble with human interactions, and difficulty understanding words or actions. Yes. Some of the things that we saw with Corey, he didn't smile by six months. He didn't mimic or babble at 12 months. Um, he laughed, but he didn't really mimic or anything. He had no words under 12 months at all. And he was the repetitive and unusual behaviors was all the time. <laughs> That was actually, I think, one of the biggest things when we did our evaluation. And um, we had two evaluations for him, one when he was like 18 months and one was he, when he was almost three. And the repetitive and unusual behaviors was why we went back because the OCD tendencies were so intense, so intense. All right. The next thing that's really intense with some kids is ADHD or like ADD type stuff. They make careless mistakes or lacks attention to detail, lacks sustaining or sustained attention in task or fun activities, poor listener, even in the absence of obvious distractions, fails to follow through on tasks and instructions, difficulty with organization, time management, and deadlines, avoids tasks requiring sustained mental effort, loses things necessary for tasks or activities, easily distracted, including unrelated thoughts, forgetful in daily activities, and procrastinates and puts off tasks until 
the last moment possible. Hashtag my life. I was like, I might do some of those. (laughs) Hmm. So I did not know that I was this until I was in my late 30s. It is a thing. And it's less common um, or at least less identified in girls than it is in boys. But I think for a lot of girls, it is identified more as like a mood disorder or depression than it is as ADHD. And so it's treated incorrectly a lot of times. And so you just need to kind of talk that through with whatever professional you're visiting. I was super excited to meet my professional that I met with. And she was like, are you sad because you're unproductive or are you unproductive because you're sad? Because that's a very big difference. And I was like, oh, I'm sad because I'm unproductive. (laughs) And so that was a very big difference. And I was like, okay, now that I can be productive, my sadness is really so much better. Just kind of side note there. Sidebar. Okay. So those are the kind of things that we might, if you're seeing any of those things in your kiddos and you feel like an evaluation would be helpful, then that would be something that I would recommend that you do. But definitely make sure that you're going to someone who is an accredited doctor in those fields or that is not going to be too pushy on medications. Okay. Because it's one thing to have a diagnosis. It's another thing to have to medicate the child when you can do therapies that can help with a lot of these and you don't have to put a pill in your kid. Okay. Here are hearts. Labels are not a thing for me. Unfortunately, we have to get them in order to get our kids services, but my kid is not that label. All right. So my next key point is going to be that if you are a parent of a kiddo who has a special need in any way, shape or form, having that special needs kiddo is hard. Get yourself a community. It's okay to have support from that community, from your there. Get a therapist for yourself. You're going to get help from your child's therapist, which it might be OT or speech or physical therapy or whatever. Always be a student of your child's needs. As the parent. Okay. And those needs are going to change as they get older because they are going to evolve. Their needs are going to change. Hopefully, if they're doing therapies, their needs are going to get less and less. And so you have to figure out how to be less helicoptery because we do that when they're small, right? I mean, I know for my son, when he, like even just a year ago, he would never go to the bathroom by himself, ever. And now, because I said, hey, you can do that. You can go potty by yourself. If I mean, as long as it's not number two, you can go potty by yourself. And now he will. He will go potty by himself. Praise Jesus in heaven. I don't have to go potty 16 times a day with this tiny, tiny bladder. <laughs> But it wasn't just the fact that he did he thought he couldn't get up on the toilet by himself or something. It was that he didn't want to be in the room by himself. It was the anxiousness of the task. And so encouraging that child to say, hey, you can do this by yourself. I know you can. Or walking them to the task and just being moral support opposed to doing it for them. Being a student of your child's needs opposed to just doing it for them is really going to help them grow opposed to being that helicopter parent with special needs. Just because they have special needs doesn't mean that they can't do it. Never, ever, ever take a label 
an IQ or anything that these evaluations give you as the end all. Because I guarantee you, God and those kids (laughs) have got something planned. So much more capable than what their diagnosis So capable. So much more capable than that freaking diagnosis. So just keep that in mind. Go to special needs conferences. Get continuing education on how to care for your kids. How is the best way to teach your kids? I learn something new every single time I go to the homeschool conference. Yes. I do. I would say that if you can go to your homeschool conference every year, go. Because it's not the same every single year and it's not the same speakers. It's not, you're going to learn something new every time. And don't just go just to the special needs part because the entire conference, there are different speakers that have, can speak into special needs. And a lot of those homeschool moms had special needs themselves. And who doesn't want to hear straight from the horse's mouth, right? If they lived it, go learn from their experience. I know that's, that's what I hope to bring to the world at some point, you know, with everything that I'm learning from my son. Never again, we're going to go over this again. Never let the labels or numbers stop you or your child. They are just that your child will soar to whatever God has planned for them. Diagnoses are diagnoses are only necessary to get the services that you need speech therapy, OT, occupational therapy, behavioral therapy, play therapy, physical therapy, etc. For autism and things, they have things called ABA therapy. It's like a, a behavioral modification therapy. I personally, my husband and I personally don't currently recommend this therapy. It's, a, it, that's, it's just that. It's a behavior modification therapy. And so it's almost like a a therapy in which they go and if they're, I don't know, it feels like they they go to therapy to say, nope, you don't do this. And it's like they're reprimanded every single time until they get it right. You know, and then it's just, I feel like play therapy is really more ba- behaviorally based for this age range. Maybe ABA would be more appropriate if they were older. I don't really know. Currently, we are not advocates of ABA. I know that there are some families that use it and that really, really love it. And if that is you, God bless you. And it's no judgment. We personally don't care for it. Not something that we have chosen to put our kiddo in. We are also not a huge medication family. I am on medication myself for my ADHD, but I'm not going to go and put my six-year-old on something when he's not fully developed. I've had several people say, hey, well, you know, maybe this would fill in the gaps and and that might be possible. That might be possible, but my husband and I have talked it through and we're concerned about putting medication into his system right now when he hasn't had all of his hormone growth and all of those things. And I haven't personally done all the research yet. Does that mean that that will change at some point? Maybe if it gets to the point where we're gonna lose our minds, I don't know. But currently, we're not in a place where we are doing medication or ABA therapy. If that is something that you have found that works for you and your kiddo, more power to you. And that works for you. I'm so glad it does. It's just not something that we currently use. So I can't speak a ton into it. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. The next point I want to go across um, is when homeschooling a special needs kiddo is 
picking the best curriculum for your child and understanding their learning style. So really, I mean, let me point you back to episode number three. <laughs> Real that was quick. such a good episode. <laughs> I'm referring back to picking the right curriculum for your child uh, podcast is our episode three. And we talk really in depth about this. So if you want to go look at that, you wel- you're welcome to. It's going to apply to every child, no matter what they're learning or no matter what their learning skill is. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, picking the curriculum is going to be the same either way. Mm-hmm. Refer back to that if you need an in detail reference of that. Also, for for any kid in homeschool, but for a kiddo with special needs, go their speed. We're never going to push them hard. We're never going to ride them. They need to know that they are never in quotation marks behind. We're never, ever going to refer anything in that sort of way. Hey, you're behind for first grade or you're behind for second grade or you're behind for third grade. Hey, we need to catch up. Yeah. There's nothing to catch up. You are going your speed and that is exactly where you're supposed to be. Because guys, it's homeschool. They will be exactly where they're supposed to be by the end, no matter how they got there, whether they were the tortoise or the hare. Okay. Take a chill pill. It will all work out in the wash. It will all work out in the wash. So let them go their speed. They will get there. And it it will actually work out better if they don't feel rushed, like they are behind or like they're slow learning or slow in comprehending it and that they are doing their best as long as they are doing their best. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're not going to let our kids be lazy. We're not going to let our kids be procrastinators. We're not going to let our kids be Joe Schmo. But if they're doing their best and it is taking them a little longer than what you would see an atypical child do, that's okay. And let it be okay. And you know what? Seeing them get to that point where they understand something or they figured something out is just as amazing Mm -hmm. as the parent seeing that if they did it right when they were supposed to or if they did it right six months later a year later honestly what is when they're supposed to right i mean let's just go through that really fast because this whole like normal i'm gonna i have air quotations going up right now guys what is normal (laughs) first of all and what are all these standards because the standards in the school system in the public school system has changed drastically what is expected to be done in second grade nowadays is not what I was expected to know in second grade. Not at all. So why does it keep evolving? Like, why are we expecting second graders to know a bunch more now than we did 20 years ago? Math is still math in second grade, right? Like, why Mm -hmm. are we making them learn division in second grade? I didn't learn that till fourth grade. I made it through school okay. I don't know. This is just what I'm saying. Let them go their speed. My next suggestion for... learning their learning style is a really good book that my husband and I read before we started homeschooling. It was literally right before we started. We got, um, we found this book at the homeschool convention called the eight great smarts for homeschoolers, a guide to teaching based on your child's unique strengths. I will link this book. We have an Amazon link for it um, in our show notes on it's by Tina Hollenbeck and it gives a bunch of different styles of learning. So we found out that our son is a calisthenic learner. And that just means he needs to move to be learning. Uh, duh. My son does not stop moving ever. Unless he's sleeping, he never stops moving. He, if he's sick, he never stops moving ever. 
it's really insane, you guys. I'm, I've never seen a kid do this. He literally reminds me of Dash from the Incredibles. I thought you were going to say the Energizer Bunny. Well, that too, but <laughs> Dash, like constantly, he's like, he literally looks like a flash going down my hallway all the time. Just boom, shoo, 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 or throwing a ball all the time. I don't even know. I don't even know. He thinks he's Patrick Mahomes. That's what he calls him. Patrick Mahomes. He's a Kansas City Chiefs football player. He's oh. quarterback. Oh. And so him and my husband play Madden a lot together. My son's not actually playing. He gives him the remote that's not actually connected to any actual guy. But Corey just thinks he's the best guy ever on because my husband made him the quarterback that's his name on the Madden game and so my son thinks he's playing the football game or whatever and so then whenever they have halftime or a break then they will play with the actual football and so he hikes it to him and he's actually pretty good and stuff but seriously the kid can't even sit still for a football game like it's nuts he's got to be throwing the ball every 35 seconds it's I can't even with this kid calisthenic letter all day long it doesn't matter while i'm reading to him with his curriculum he's moving the only time i can get him to stand still and it's literally he's only standing he doesn't sit is when he's doing handwriting he stands at the table hey that's what works for him oh melanta it's something i've never experienced and you know what doing it at home he can stand while doing it well this is the thing okay so i look at my child and i while he, like he's doing like somersaults or what's he's really big on trying to learn how to do cartwheels right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but he is. He's like big on the cartwheels and they're not, I mean, they're not very good, but it's fine. He can't get his legs all the way up. He's, he's doing cartwheels through my kitchen while I'm reading to him while I'm, we're doing our Bible study or whatever. And I'm like, you wouldn't be able to do that at school. <laughs> You'd be like in the principal's office every day. I'd be down at the school picking you up every single day. Yeah. This is why you're at home. <laughs> That's the thing with special needs kids too. And any, any kids, but especially kids who need one-on-one attention. Like if your kids went to school or in school and have an IEP or a 504 plan or any of those things, you are always going to be their best teacher because you know them the best and you know exactly what they need. It's the best scenario for that child who already is in a really hard situation because they're already going to learn differently than everyone else. They're already going to think differently than everybody else. And all of those kids, those 32 kids in each class are not going to know how it is that they process things. Unfortunately, a lot of kids are super cruel. And in my opinion, for me and my husband, we think that this is safer for him because I just don't think kids are kind right now. And he doesn't have to be around all of that crap. There would be a lot of kids who would be super unkind to him, unfortunately. I'm grateful that he has his homeschool community and he doesn't experience that with those kids. We haven't experienced that with any of our kids in our homeschool community. They haven't expressed or said anything about the way he learns or plays or does anything. And so nobody knows that it takes him longer to do anything at home, which is great because he's at home. And so all they know is that he knows how to play and he plays hard all day or day. So he comes to play. If you see him in homeschool group, he comes to play. If, if you have a kiddo who's special needs, the best thing that you can do for them is to bring them home, in my opinion. And I did not know that this was going to be a world that I was going to be a part of. 
And here you are. And here I am. And you're doing amazing. It's definitely a learning curve. It's definitely a learning curve. We're actually just talking before this episode about a friend of mine who had um, a neighbor and she was sharing with me some things about her daughter and she was sharing with me some sharing with me some of the things that they were going through. And that neighbor has then asked the friend to have me come over and kind of help her walk through some things that she just found out about her, her special needs daughter. And I feel very blessed actually to have learned about a lot of this world with my son in the very short amount of time that I've had him in my, in my life. We've only been working in the special needs world with him for six years. And so to learn as much as we have and to do all the things that we have done with him. But again, being the student of your child's needs is the only way that you get to this place. Yeah, absolutely. What do you got? I've been talking too much. Sorry. But you're so knowledgeable. I love it because I need all this information too. You're helping me out. Gail, I'm going to tell a little personal story here. Gail actually helped me as we worked through some stuff this summer with one of our kiddos and just trying to figure out what makes him tick and why and how. So she is such a great resource when it comes to this particular subject, and I couldn't appreciate her more. So on a personal. Yeah. Thanks. Also, sidebar just thought this kind of popped in my brain. If you have a kiddo who has sensory issues or autism or something like that, please take red dye out of their diet. Oh, (laughs) please. Yes. And it's in so many. It's in so many. And it's in things you wouldn't think it should be in. Things you wouldn't think it's in and which makes it hard. It makes it hard to find the things. Yeah. Yes. Um, This is something that we're trying to work on in our house. This is so this is not. And even if you can't take it out of everything, take it out of that kid's diet. Mm -hmm. Like if you can't take it out of your house, just make sure that kid doesn't eat it. So my son is because of his OCD and his autism. We tell him he can't have anything red. And so he doesn't like if he happens to have a candy, like let's say a starburst or something mm-hmm. he'll look at it and he'll say this is pink and red and I can't have those you want these dad or mom and so it's funny because he's six and he already understands but understand this though he understands how it makes him feel mm-hmm. and I think that's the most important part mm-hmm. like when he has accidentally has something red he'd be like oh I think I had something red and it's the body dysregulation that happens for him and the panic almost that mm-hmm. happens it happens in his brain. And I don't think he understands those situations, sure. but he knows, but he, he knows how different. he feels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he, it's important to him too. But I know that a lot of people say that's just conjecture. Like that's not a thing. Oh no. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. It might be more significant for some people than others. Well, but sure. It but... is definitely a thing. It's red six and red 40 are the most common common reds. And they're actually the worst for you. I mean, they're bad for everybody in general. But for people who have behavioral issues, it only exacerbates the behaviors. Mm-hmm. So it makes them foggy. It makes them hyper. It makes them less of a good listener (laughs) panics really it really makes their brain jumble yeah yeah good side note yeah yeah it's just something that Corey really helps me with too it's funny we went to the bank today 
and I had to cash some checks and he got a sucker out of the thing and he picked one up and he goes, I can't have that one. I'm going to get this one. <laughs> he's just, he's okay. so careful. And it's funny. He won't be a very good listener some days, <laughs> but he knows he can't have red mm-hmm. and it's the craziest thing. And I'm like, that's awesome though. It makes right, Well, if this is the one thing you're going to listen about and follow directions, then I can't be that mad about it. Right. <laughs> makes your day and his day go better. It really does. It really does. That's great advice. Yeah. If, can I ask you a question? Yeah, absolutely. If you were to, what's your, your biggest takeaway? Like your, your biggest one thing for all of us special needs mamas out there. What's the one thing that you, that we need to do every single day to to get through it? Take a lot of deep breaths. The days are long. The years are short. And even if you go to bed thinking that you sucked that day, tomorrow is a new day. And he's going to love you. He or she is going to love you anyways, because you're waking up and you're still there. Mm. It's called rupture and repair is what it's called. Every parent does it, whether they're special needs or not. We all have rupture and repair with our kids every single day. It happens to be more significant with kids with special needs in most cases, especially for our son, because he also has trauma in his life. For those special needs moms, I think we always feel like we're failing. Always. Because this is hard. This is a hard life. And for a lot of us, we didn't choose it. I chose mine. I adopted mine. (laughs) I knew what was coming because I had seen biological family and I knew that there were some possibilities. I won't ever go into what his story is. It's not my story to tell. I knew what was coming. So I knew that there was definitely possibilities of us having to go down this road. But we are very, very excited for his future. We are really excited that God's got this. And that's the biggest thing. Like you have to go to bed knowing God's got this, whether you screamed at them that day or you weren't as attentive as you wanted to be or whatever. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Even when it's hard, the days are long, the years are short. Oh, that's awesome. Good advice. It's easier said than done. Yeah. If you need that encouragement, just come back and listen. (laughs) It's a good thing. These can be on a repeat. (laughs) I may have to come and listen to it myself on Uh those hard days. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, I think that's all we have for you today. Um, obviously if you have any questions regarding today's topic, you can please go into our community and ask, um, go into our Facebook group or Instagram and, uh, let us know which questions are, and we're happy to answer in any way, shape or form that we can help. Do you have any other questions before I close this out in prayer? Okay. All right, guys. Well, let's pray it out. Lord Jesus, we come to you today and we just thank you for the opportunity to talk to all of these special needs parents. Lord, we just know that there's a special place in all of their hearts for these kiddos and for the the needs that they have and all of the time that we spend with them and praying over them and all of the therapies we go to and the worry that we have over them. And Lord, we know that worry is a sin and that it is not for us to do and that you have it. And so we just pray that we put these kids in your hands and palms down just to you, Lord, just we give it all away. We know that you have them in the palm of your hand. And so we need to just relinquish control and know that you have equipped us 
to be their parents and that is why they are in our home. And so Lord, we just ask that as we school them and as they grow, that you give us all the things that we need in strength and in our schooling and in our patience (laughs) to be what we need to be for them. And we pray over all of the parents listening to this and that they have all of those things from you as well. In your holy and awesome name. Amen. All right, guys. So if you found value in today's episode, as always, we just ask that you write a review, subscribe to wherever you're listening and join us in our communities. And we'll see you next Wednesday. Bye guys. Hey, bestie.